Amen. Open your Bibles, if you would, please, to Romans chapter 13. I'm going to read one little verse of Scripture there, and then I'm going to jump back over into Luke chapter 19. I feel like I got a word for you today. I feel like God is speaking something to my heart uh, over the last couple of days, and I just want to try to release it over your life and um, see what God does in the middle of it. I felt in my spirit coming into this Sunday, we even prayed about it on Tuesday night at our corporate prayer time, that uh, today's a day of breakthrough. Today's a day of deliverance. Today is a set time on the appointed calendar of God's timetable where something significant is going to happen in your life. Come on, just look at somebody and say, it might as well be you. Just tell them it might as well be you. Might as well be you. Romans chapter 13, verse number 11, and it says, do this knowing the time. Somebody shout time. Time. That it's already the hour for you to awaken from your sleep. Tap on somebody next to you and tell him he's talking about you now. He's done talking about you. It's time to wake up. Just wake up and smell the cappuccino. Wake up. Wake up. Do this knowing the time that it's already the hour for you to awaken from sleep. For now, somebody shout now. No, shout now like you got an attitude with it. Shout now, now, now. For for now, now, for now, salvation is nearer to us than when we believe. Now is the time to be awakened to what God wants to do in your life. Salvation is near, and that's not just talking about a reborn again experience, and I'll talk to you about that in just a few moments, but it's talking about ultimate deliverance and healing in every area of your life. God wants to bring salvation to every area of your life, spirit, soul, and body. Amen. Now look with me, go with me to Luke chapter 19. I'm going to pull from this to get to where I I want to go today. Luke 19, it's a very familiar passage of Scripture, especially if you grew up in a traditional Sunday school setting. You'll remember this guy named Zacchaeus. Luke chapter 19, verse number 1, and he, meaning Jesus, entered Jericho, and he was passing through. Now, these words are going to be important for you to remember. Somebody shout, passing through. He entered Jericho, and he was passing through. And there was a man called by the name of Zacchaeus, and he was a chief tax collector, and he was rich. And Zacchaeus was trying to see who Jesus was, and he was unable to because of the crowd, for he was small in stature. So he ran on ahead, and he climbed up into a sycamore tree in order to see him, For he was about to pass through that way. Somebody shout, pass through. Notice that Jesus was passing through in verse number one. Verse number four, he's he's passing through Jericho. He has no intentions to stop. He's just moving through Jericho. He's moving from one destination to another destination. He has no intentions to stop. Zacchaeus wants to see who this Jesus is, so he climbs up into a sycamore tree. In verse number five, 
And when Jesus came to the place, he looked up and he said, Zacchaeus, hurry and come down for today. Somebody shout, today, I must stay at your house. And he hurried and he came down and received him gladly. And when they saw it, talking about the crowds now, when the crowds saw it, they all began to grumble, saying, He has gone to be the guest of a man who is a sinner. Isn't it just like the world to be upset about your breakthrough? Right. Verse number 8, And Zacchaeus stopped and said to the Lord, Behold, Lord, if, if, behold, Lord half of my possessions I will give to the poor, and if I have defrauded anyone of anything, I will give back four times as much. And Jesus said to him, today, salvation has come to this house because he too is a son of Abraham. For the Son of Man has come to seek and to save that which is lost. Notice that in verse number 9, he said, today, salvation has come to this house. I want to title my message to you this morning, Don't Miss the Moment. Amen. Don't miss the moment. Push on about three people around you and tell them you don't want to miss the moment that you're standing in right now. You don't want to miss the moment. You don't want to miss. Come on now, work with me for a moment. Come on, tell somebody yeah. it's, it's time to yeah. be awakened. It's time to be awake. Don't miss the moment. That's right. The greatest moment in your life is not tomorrow. It's right now. What's going on right now in the present state of your affairs is the moment that God has ordained for your breakthrough. Yes. Come on, shout again. Don't miss the moment now. Don't miss the moment. Don't miss the moment. We're going to pray. Father, we thank you this morning for the power and the presence of the Holy Spirit. And Lord, even as Pastor Carlos has said today, Lord, we're going to put weight. We're going to put some weight until we see the kabod, until we see the manifestation of everything that you have promised. So, Father, today we make a demand on the power and the presence of the Holy Spirit. Holy Spirit, I pray today that you will use me, wear me like a coat. Let me speak as, as it were the very oracles of God. Lord, I thank you today that you're the preacher, the teacher, you're the revealer of all truth. Thank you for what you're going to do in this house, and we give you all the praise and the glory now. In Jesus' name I pray, and everybody together said amen, and amen, and amen. God bless you this morning. You may be seated. Let me just begin by taking you through a series of several scriptures and to begin to open up to where I think God is saying something to us today because we're going to release something at the end of the service that I think it will be pertinent to your life right where you're at. If you were to study or take the time to study the laws of nature or even begin to look at the science or the evidence of physics, you would begin to discover that nothing just happens in a vacuum. Uh, in fact, it is said in the world of science, that's the language of science, that nature abhors a vacuum. Nature dislikes a vacuum, meaning that if you create a vacuum, something else will fill it because nature literally abhors 
a vacuum. That's, that's the laws of physics. That's the science of physics. For example, if a species dies on this planet, then another species will evolve in the ecological role or the function of that particular species that died because once it's gone, something else will take its place. Uh, it's like at your house. If you clean your countertop off, somebody's going to put something on that cleared space because <laughs> nature dislikes, it dislikes a vacuum. If you clean out your dresser drawers, it won't be long you're going to be shopping and you're going to put some new clothes where you cleaned out the old clothes because nature in itself abhors a vacuum. In other words, no space can stay empty for a long period of time. If one thing moves out, something else will fill it, indicating to us that the displacement of a thing makes room for the placement of something else. Now, I'm not talking to you about Bible yet. That's just the laws of physics. That's the language of science. That's the world in which you and I live in physically, which means that nature is always working in and of itself to fill a vacuum. But as believers now, we know and we understand that nature is not an independent source. Nature doesn't just happen. God is the source behind nature. The laws of nature didn't just appear. Gravity didn't just happen. Gravity was created by God. Nature was created by God. The laws of science, the laws of physics didn't just show up through a mathematical equation. God is the source behind everything that we know that's going on. So behind nature now is, understand it from a spiritual perspective, behind nature is a command from God. Because we believe, according to Genesis 1, that God created the heavens and the earth. Therefore, everything in the known universe, every plant, Every animal, every particle, every matter, every light, every wave of energy, every bit of it is bound by laws which has no choice but to obey the laws that God has set in motion because we don't believe in the spirit of Mother Nature. Well, I guess some of y'all do, but uh, we, we don't believe in Mother Nature. We believe behind nature is a commandment from God. The, the, the world didn't just happen. It's not the Big Bang Theory. It, it didn't just evolve out of some evolutional atheistic idea. Uh, the, the world was created, handcrafted by God himself. It, it didn't just show up and appear. It, it was created, and everything in our known universe and probably in the unknown universe has its ordinances. In fact, that's what Jeremiah said in Jeremiah 33, 25. He said that God has set the ordinance of heaven 
and earth. In other words, God, the word ordinance is the statute, the law. God has a fixed order for the heavens and the earth. God has a fixed law, a fixed statute. It's, it's, it literally means a, 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 a pattern that's, that's held in place. So God has set the world in place. He has set the ordinances of everything that we see, everything that we participate in, everything that we know. God has put a command on it. So everything exists because God gives it permission to exist based on the laws and the statutes that he's created over it. Push on somebody and tell them, don't miss your moment now. I'm going somewhere. Therefore, just hang out with me for a moment. Therefore, the logic of God, the, that's where we get the word, lo, the, the word logos, which is the word of God. It's the logic of God. That's where we get the word logic. The logic of God, the mind of God, the will of God is built into the universe. And the universe cannot exist without God. Nothing around us, nothing that we see and the things that we don't see cannot exist without a command from God. The earth literally rotates on its axis based on a command from God. The whole universe is sustained based on a word from God. The planets, the nine planets in our solar system are sustained based on the command from God. The oceans cannot transgress their boundaries because God has said, this is as far as you can go and you can't go no further based on a command from God. Are y'all here with me? Day and night is predicted based on a word from God. So nothing was created apart from him and nothing is sustained apart from him. The very existence of life, the evidence of life, gives us the, the credence to believe that somewhere behind everything that we know, behind everything that we see and everything that we participate in is a command from God. God has given the earth permission to exist with his own words. I'm getting somewhere. So, so that means in, in John chapter 1, verse number 3, just so you'll know I'm not making this up. This is in your Bible. All things were made through him, and without him, nothing was made. Somebody shout all things. Now, this will be on the screen for you if you're taking notes. The most fundamental laws of nature exist only because God wills them. They are, not, they, they are the logical, orderly way that the Lord upholds and sustains the universe that he has created. It's the fundamental laws. Everything is held in check by a word from God. The universe is held together by a word from God. Hebrews 11.3 says the worlds were framed by a word from God. So one of the working definitions for a vacuum literally means a space where nothing is. So therefore, since God is the force... The command of God, the word of God is the force behind nature. There's not a person, there's not a place, and there's not a thing that he cannot fill. There's not a void, there's not a vacuum 
There's not a vacancy in anybody's life that God cannot fill. Because if God has created everything in the known world and he has given it permission to be sustained by his own word, that means you and I are not left out of the equation of what he has created. That means if you're sitting in here right now under the sound of my voice and you've got a vacancy in your heart, there's a void going on in your life, there's a vacuum, there's something that's missing in your life, I came here to be your preacher today. I came here to tell you today that God will fill your life to overflowing. He will fill that need in your life to the point that he will put his word on it. He will command himself to it so that everything in your life can be fixed. Some of y'all should have said amen a whole lot more than what you did. I said God will fix it and turn it for your good. So, so, so watch this. So one of the most fascinating, I, I kind of mentioned this last Sunday before Andrew uh, began to preach, one of the most fascinating attributes about God is that there is no lack in him. That there is no deficiency in God. God cannot be depleted of anything. There's no shortage in God. And it really doesn't matter how much demand is made on him because because at the end of the day, we know according to his word that all things, he is all sufficient in everything. He's an all-sufficient God. Amen. So, so, so that means he can give you whatever you need. He can meet you at the point of whatever is lacking and he himself not be depleted of anything. He can give knowledge and still retain all knowledge. Because he can't be depleted of anything. He can give you love and still always be loving. Because he can't be depleted of his love. He can give strength and still have all strength. Ooh, come on, talk to me up in here. He can give wisdom and still have all wisdom. Because God cannot be depleted of anything. He's able to get to where you are and never leave where he was. Because God cannot be depleted of anything. There's no shortage in God. There's no vacuum in God. There's no void in God. There's no deficiency in God. If there's a need, a vacuum, or a void in your life, you need to know this morning, and I don't care how small it is or how great it is, God can fill it. And what makes God so powerful is not that he just does the big things in our life, it's that he's concerned about the little things in our life. That's what makes him God supreme, the just God of all the universe. So understand today that, that, that when God begins to fill a place, God doesn't, God doesn't just enter a room, God fills a room. God, 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 God will fill, this is where we come in now, God will fill whatever you give him. If you give him an hour, that's what he'll fill. If you give him a day, that's what he'll fill. If you give God a month, that's what he'll feel. If you give him just a week, that's what he'll feel. If you give him a year, that's what he will feel. If you give God your life, that's what he will feel because he's an overflowing God. He's an ever-present help kind of God. So whatever you offer to God, that's what he will feel. That's why when we do praise and worship, praise and worship is not the the preliminary thing that we do before the preaching starts. Praise and worship is the place where you open up your heart 
and say, God, fill me. God, do something in my life. It's the place where I begin to minister to him, and he begins to minister to me. Praise and worship is about how you love God and how much God loves you. It has nothing to do with it. That's just a waste of time before the preacher gets up here. If that's your attitude when it comes to praise and worship, you are the most unfulfilled person in the building right now. Because if all you do is sit there and observe what's going on the platform, you are probably, and I say this by faith, and I say this under the conviction of the Holy Ghost, you are probably the most miserable person in the room. When you can't engage with God, then your life is void. Your life is vacant. There is something in your life that's missing. When all you can do is sit there and hold the chair and look what everybody else is doing, but you never dive in. You never lose yourself in God. There is a vacancy in your life. And God didn't come just to entertain you. He came to fill you. He came to overflow in your life. He came to give you something that the world could never give. He came to give you something that money could never buy. He came to give you a peace. He came to give you some joy. He came to give you a breakthrough, a salvation that's beyond what the world could ever offer. Come on, push on somebody. Tell them don't miss your moment now. Don't miss your moment. Don't miss your moment. Don't miss your moment. And I, I, I am at a place now in my life, maybe it's because of my age. I'm a little older than I was yesterday. So now that I'm at a place in my life, I don't really care what people think about me no more. All I want to do, God didn't call me to be like. God called me to be a voice. God called me to be a preacher. And at the end of the day, I want to make sure that when people come up in this house, this place is explosive. This place has something in its tank. This place is hopping for the things of God. We didn't sit in here just to have a karaoke day where people could sing to us. We came in here because we are participators in the kabod of God. We are participators in the glory that begins to put pressure on the world. Don't miss your moment. Don't miss your moment. God will fill whatever you give him. And he will fill it to the point that while he's filling your life, he can't be depleted of anything. It can, he can at the same time fill your neighbor's life. Woo. Look at somebody telling him, this is going to be a dangerous road before we get through. This is going to be a dangerous road. You might, you might as well grab your stuff now if you ain't going to participate. <laughs> I'll point this out to you because, watch me now, I'm going to get somewhere. Because there's a vast difference between source and resource. It's a big difference between source and resource. These will be on the screen, these few scriptures, just so you can track with me. In Genesis 1 11, it says, Let the earth bring forth its vegetations, its plant yielding seed and fruit bearing trees after their kind. That means that the earth had already had the potential in it to produce what God was calling out of it. The earth already had the potential to produce whatever God was calling out of it. Genesis 1.15, he said to the heavens, let there be light, stars to rule the night. That means there were already gases that existed in the cosmos, in heavens, to create a burning flame that we call stars. In Genesis 1.20, he said to the waters, and he brought fish, out of the water. That means the potential for the fish already existed in the water. 
In Genesis 1.25, he said, let the earth bring forth its living creatures after their kind, the cattle, the livestock, the beast, and every living thing that creeps on the ground after its kind. That means that the earth possessed the potential to produce whatever God was calling out of it. Vegetation, plants, is a resource of the earth. It's not the source. The earth is the source. The plants that he called out of the earth is a resource. And when it dies, it stays in the earth. The stars are a resource of the heavens. And when they burn out and they cease to exist, the gases stay in the heavens. The gases stay in the cosmos. The gases stays in the atmosphere. When a fish dies in the water before you eat them, <laughs> they dissolve and they deteriorate back to its source. The water is the source. The fish was the resource. When animals die, they go back to the earth. When they die, they go back to the earth because the earth is their source from which they came. You're going to catch me in a minute. So everything that exists now existed first in God's creative order. God didn't begin in the beginning. He is the beginning. He's the alpha and the omega. He can't be omega and not be alpha. He's the beginning and the end. He can't be the end unless he's the beginning. So when God got ready to make man, look at your neighbor and say, when he got ready to make you, when God got ready to make you, he didn't speak to the earth. He didn't speak to the waters. He didn't speak to the heavens. He spoke to himself in Genesis 1.26. He said, let us make man in our image. That means you existed in God before you got here. You were already in God before you showed up on this planet. The Bible says in Psalms 139, you are fearfully and wonderfully made. Ecclesiastes 12, 7 says, the dust will return to the earth as it was, and the spirit will return back to God who gave it. So you were in the mind of God before you made your debut on the planet. You had already existed in God before you arrived on this planet. That means our identity and our capacity is found in him. Everything that exists in our life existed first in him. We didn't come out from anything. We came from God. We were born of God. We were born of the Spirit of God. We were in God's logic. We were in God's plan. We were in the ordinance of God. Just like he spoke the heavens and the earth into existence. When he got ready to make mankind, he looked at himself. He looked at the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. And out of them, he said, let us make man in our image. So out of them came us. So we're not just going through life trying to make it. So whatever God has purposed in our life, whatever he has set in order for our life, whatever the laws of our life have been set by, God is obligated to fill it. God is obligated to meet it. Hallelujah. Now that's why these terms become really important. I'm going to preach in a minute. Y'all still with me? 
I'm going to preach in a minute. I'm going to hang out with me. That, that's why we must understand these particular terms. God is omniscient. God is omniscient. Omni meaning all or many. Science. Omni-science. God is omni-science. God is omniscient. Science meaning knowing. God's all-knowing. God's full of knowledge. God is omnipresent. Omni meaning all. It's, it, means, it means many. Omni. Many or all. Present. Here. Present. Here. At hand. Whether you feel him or not, he's still here. Whether you believe in God or not, he's still here. He's still here. He's omnipresent. God don't ever have to leave anywhere to go anywhere. He's everywhere at the same time, all times, at all times. Amen. He was at the bar last night when you was at your house. Or maybe he was at the bar last night when you was at the bar. <laughs> I'm just trying to get a response somewhere. I'm just trying to find you. But he's all, always everywhere at the same time. He's omnipresent. God is omnipotent. Omni meaning all or many. Potent. He's powerful. That word potent is the root word where we get the word for potential. God is all potential. Everything that can be, everything that will be, is in him. All potential is in God. All potential is in him. Watch this now, because he's the source. He's the source. Man is the resource. God didn't come out of us, we came out of him. So God is the source, and we're the resource of God. And anything separated from its source is subject to die. If you take fish out of a water, come on, talk to me up in here. It's going to die. If you pull up vegetation, if you pull it up by its roots from the earth, guess what? It dies. You put a cow in space. <laughs> it'll die. Because space is not its source. If you take man from God, we die because God is the source of man's living. That's why Acts 17 says, in him we live and move and have our being. This will be on the screen for you. John 15, 5 says, Jesus said, I am the vine and you are the branches. He who abides in me and I in him bears much fruit. For apart from me, you can't do nothing. Hmm. How many Christians are trying to do it their way? Handle it their way? Huh? So whatever something comes from determines the potential that that something has. Because we are from God, who is all-nipotent, all-powerful, having all potential, and we being the resource of him who is the source... That means we have all potential. Y'all still with me? I'm going to preach in a minute. Y'all still with me? That means if he's omnipotent, all-powerful, all-knowing, he's the source, 
and we came out of God, then we have all potential. We have all potential to be everything that God has commanded us to be. Every law, every ordinance that sustains the known universe is the same logic of God that gives you the power to be everything that God called you to be. And it don't matter what your zip code is. It don't matter what your past looks like. It doesn't matter how many times you stumbled, how many times you failed. It doesn't even matter how many times you missed it or you blew it. When you understand now is the time for salvation, when you begin to understand now is the time to be awakened to where God wants to take us, then you begin to believe like God. You begin to respond like God. You begin to act like God. Oh, I'm about to preach up in here. You start declaring things like God. The voice of God in your mouth is just as powerful as it is in Jesus' mouth. So whatever is true of Jesus is true of you. So when you wake up every day and you look at yourself in the mirror and you say, I've got, I, I am full of potential, baby. You're looking at the most potential person on the planet because whatever God has set over my life, there's not a demon in hell. There's not a power in hell that can rob me of the purpose that God has ordained over my life. And I may have to go through some hell and high water I may have to struggle through some dark days but at the end of the day he will be my light he will be my rear guard he will be the Lord that goes before me and what the enemy set up for failure God says I'll make you a success I'll turn it around everything that the devil meant for harm I'll bring good out of it come on tell somebody don't miss it don't miss your moment don't miss your moment don't miss your moment. And I am afraid, if I could just go down this rabbit trail for about 30 seconds, I am afraid that the church in America is falling back asleep again. We are being lulled back to sleep again because now we don't have all the pressures because things are beginning to change back to what we would call normal. But can I tell you something? God don't want to bring the church back to what we call normal. God wants to bring the church back to a place of a place where the fire of God is resident. It's a place where he begins to burn through us like a burning, blazing glory so that when people get around you, they know there's something different on your life. They, you, you may have been a crazy tax collector. You may have a jacked up past, but by the time he gets visiting your house, by the time he shows up at your house, everything in your life is about to be shifted. So whatever something comes from determines its potential. That's, so, so, so the strength of my potential, now watch this now. This keeps us from getting the big head. The strength from my potential is not from me. It's in him. In him we live. In him we move. And in him we have our being. It's not by might. It's not by power. But it's by his spirit. It's not, it's not about what I can do. It's about what God can do through me. And the more you stay surrendered to him, that's why I said it a while ago, if you don't have a worship life, you don't have a surrendered life. Because if you can't worship God, you ain't surrendered to nothing because what you worship to, you serve. So that's why these terms now, because all potential is in him, if I'm in him, then I have all potential. These terms begin to make sense. Nine, Mark 9.23, if you can believe, 
then all things are possible. Somebody shout all things. Because in him all things are possible. Philippians 4.13, I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. Galatians 2.20, it says, I have been crucified with Christ. Yet it is no longer I who lives, but it's Christ who lives in me. And the life that I now live, I live by faith in the Son of God. Hmm? 1 John 2.27, you have an anointing so that you know all things. Because when I'm in God, I have all potential. I just want to challenge you a little bit. If, if you pray in the Holy Ghost, you need to do it every day. That ought to be a part of your life. Because when you're praying in the Holy Ghost, you begin to speak mysteries. You begin to, un un you begin to unravel the things of the Spirit. God begins to speak back to you. It, it's, not, it's not just gibberish. It's a communication. It's a direct line to God. So when you pray in the Holy Ghost, you begin to get the wisdom of God. Ugh. You begin to think like God. Huh? It begins to put you on a different playing field. See, I can't get no amens in here because I don't guess y'all speaking in tongues a lot. All the tongue talkers ought to be throwing chairs at me right now. <laughs> like, that's what we do. That's how we get our power. Huh? I'm telling you, that's how we get our power. I, I am amazed. That's why believers struggle. They, they struggle in their everyday life. They struggle over things that we should have done way been past. They're struggling over things that we have already been freed from. But they don't have enough power in them to walk it out. Because they get tripped over the lies of the enemy. And they revert back to what is common. They revert back to what is simple. They revert back to where they failed. And God's trying to say, huh, I'm moving you down the road here. I'm moving to you where you have all potential. So that you don't get, keep getting tripped over by sin. Huh? You're not just getting tripped over by the things of the flesh. Well, you should have heard what they said. Well, get off Facebook and you won't hear what they say. Come on, if you're going to try to have an argument on Facebook, you need some maturity. Y'all ain't going to help me? Y'all going to make me preach up here by myself? Y'all going to make me sweat by myself? Huh? If you're going to argue with somebody on Facebook, you need to mature a little bit. Because if you put it out there, you bet that somebody ain't going to agree with you. Somebody's going to have a rebuttal. Somebody's going to say something back. And if you ain't big enough to say it, then don't be worried about it when they say something back to you. Because they're going to say something. There's always going to be somebody that's going to be against you. So at the end of the day, if you just want to save some peace, get off social media. Quit letting that be your entertainment. Quit letting that be your theology. Quit letting that be your drive. Quit letting that be your communication to God. And just because you quote a scripture don't mean you living it out. Just because you say you love God don't mean you acting like you love God. Sooner or later, let the church be the church. Woo. Push on somebody and say, you got to know your moment now. You got to know, you got to know your moment. So, so well, watch this now, because we're talking, Jesus said, if you abide in me and I abide in you, my words abide in you, my words abide in me, and you abide in me, then, then, then you can, in one translation says, you can ask whatever you will, and it shall be done, because I've got all potential, all potential, it's, it's, it's not what I do, it's what God does through me, so that means when I'm connected to my source, even in weakness, I'm still strong, <laughs> look at this scripture right here, 2 Corinthians 12, Guys, help me out in the back. I don't think I, did y'all get that? 2 Corinthians chapter 12. Just find it there. Find it there. I'll have to find it. Okay. There we go. And he said to me, my grace is sufficient for you. For power. Come on now. This is the word of God. Power is perfected in weakness. 
So when you're weak, you just need to know you're about to be perfected. And most gladly, therefore, I will rather boast about my weaknesses so that the power of Christ may dwell in me. Therefore, I am well content with my weaknesses. I'm well content with insults. Come on, Facebook family. I'm well content with distresses, persecutions, difficulties. For Christ's sake, when I'm weak, then I'm strong. So if you're in this place today and you got a struggle in your life, there's a weakness that's beginning to manifest. As long as you stay hidden in Christ, as long as you stay tied to the vine, as long as you keep recognizing that he's the source, I'm the resource. God didn't come out of me. I came out of God. As long as I stay tied to him, even in my weaknesses, God's going to turn it around for my strength. That's why the Bible says, let the weak say I'm strong. That's why you get to the place in your life when you're going through life. I think Pastor uh, Carlos said it's when, the, when the insanity of life in the world that we're living in, if you're not connected to him, then you're going to be ruled by the spirits of this world. You're going to be ruled by the media mob of this world. You're going to be controlled by dictating spirits of this world. And every decision will be based on feelings. It'll be based out of how things are being projected in society. But when you are connected to the vine, you can walk right into the middle of a garden just hours away from being threatened and abused and hung on the cross. Come on, talk to me up in here. Talk to me up in here. You can know that I'm on a journey. I have a fixed purpose and at the end of the day, even in my death, there will be resurrection life and God will glorify the moment that I'm in and it may look like weakness right now but don't count me out. Don't throw away the towel yet because God is not finished with what he started. He who began a good work is faithful to complete it. That's what he's going to do in your life. That's what he's going to do in my life. That's what he does in our life. He moves us to completion. So in order for God to unlock his potential in us, watch this now. Just, I'm just trying to get to where I need to go. <laughs> and time is eluding me. In order for God to unlock his potential in us, he couldn't lead you to a natural bloodline. couldn't just lead you to your mom and your daddy's bloodline. <laughs> Even though you may have wonderful parents, you might have a jacked up bloodline. You might have somebody in your family tree that you don't promote. You know, Elrod, you know, them, them kind of folk. God, I hope there ain't nobody here named Elrod. You know, just people out there. Pukinani. Pukinani takes a lot of abuse up here. Our natural bloodline is inherited, just like the color of your eyes. When you were born, you had no say about your blood type. You had no say. It don't matter if you're A, B, A, B, or O, whatever. You had no, you had no say so. You were genetically formed by the parents that got together that made you in the natural. Right? You didn't say, hey, I, I like to get some blue eyes. Now they're going to be brown. Y'all act like y'all had a choice. <laughs> you, 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 
into a natural bloodline based on the blood type of your parents. When you were born again, now watch me, in the spirit, our blood type was determined by the seed of our father. Right? Watch this. It's going to make sense. First uh, Peter chapter 1. Verses number 23. Guys, throw that up there for me. You just had it a while ago. Go back to 1 Peter 1, 23. For you have been born again, not of seed which is perishable, but imperishable. That is through the living, enduring word of God. All flesh is like grass, and all its glory like the flowers of grass. Watch this now. The grass withers, and the flower fades or falls off. If you went down to verse 25, it says, But the word of the Lord endures forever. When you were born again, you were born of a seed, not of corruption. Trying to help us understand how much potential you have. When you were born again, you were born of imperishable seed. You have an imperishable bloodline. That means you can have a bad bloodline in the natural. But once you became born again, your bloodline is not limited to your natural genetics. But now your bloodline reaches to its heavenly father, your heavenly father, my heavenly father. 2 Corinthians 5.17 says, for, for if any man is in Christ, he is a brand new creation. One translation literally means he's a different species. He's of another kind. So when you became born again, this is why I'm trying to help you. When you became born again, if you're still wrestling with old issues that you should be walking past, you don't know who you are in Christ. You don't know how much power you have in Christ. You don't know how much potential you have. Because if you are drawn back, every man is enticed to his own lust. That's what James says. We are tempted by our own lust. We're drawn by our own lust to sin. So, But once you became born again, if you don't put pressure on that born again seed, that, that incorruptible seed, that's what Pastor Carl, if you don't begin to put pressure on it, then it don't You can walk with a limp the rest of your life. You can stay broken for the rest of your life. But when you begin to understand that I have been born from above, I have been born of a different kind. I don't look like everybody else. I don't even act like everybody else. You can put me in the middle of an argument and I don't even have to win because I know at the end of the day, God will be my champion. God will vindicate me. God will make sure that at the end of the day, though a thousand may come against me, 10,000 will flee from me because God is at work on my side because I'm living with an incorruptible seed that's down on the inside of me that won't let me participate in sin it won't let me try to have a bad attitude it won't let me miss out on what God is doing in my life Woo. come on you ought to give God a higher praise than that I'm preaching harder than you're shouting I'm telling you because when you begin to understand who you are in Christ it's not that you won't be tempted 
It's not that you won't have struggles. I'm just saying you don't live there. You don't begin to paint your cave. You don't start decorating the walls in your cave. You start moving the furniture around in your cave and you say, I'm coming out of this dark place. I'm coming out of this hell hole. I'm not going to stay tied up and bound up in this mess. When God has put significance inside of me, God has put his potential in me. That's why you can do everything that God's ever called you to do. Come on, talk to me. You can do everything that God's ever called you to do. It don't matter about your zip code. It don't matter about your environment. It don't even matter about your upbringing. Because when you come to that father, he's not like an earthly father. He who knows how to give good gifts, how much more does your heavenly father want to give to those that love him who are called according to his purpose? So you begin to walk in life. Not as some little victim. That's probably the, the, one of the biggest things that's going on in our society is a victim mentality. Everybody wants to have a victim mentality, and it's because nobody wants to take responsibility for their own actions. But when you understand, I have a purpose in God, and I may make some bad choices along the way, but I'm not going to stay in my bad choices. That's why Jesus said, repent, for the kingdom of heaven is at hand. That word repent means to turn around, think again, go back, and don't live where you came from, but begin to live in light and view of where God is taking you. Push on somebody and tell them don't miss your moment now. Don't miss your moment. <laughs> your blood type is not like the grass that fades and the flower that fades. You've been born of an incorruptible seed. That's why Ecclesiastes said when you die, your natural body goes back to the earth from where it came from. But your spirit goes back to God from where it came from. The real you is not just that lump of clay sitting on that chair. The real you is what's inside that lump of clay. The real you is what the clay is holding. The only reason why you got a lump of clay, what we call an earth suit, to give you permission to live on this planet called earth. Because in heaven you don't need an earth suit. You get a glorified body. You become everything that God ever called you to be. But while you're on this planet, if you limit the power of God, then you live under the scrutiny of the enemy's tactics. But when you understand he was meant for my defeat, he was meant so that I could overthrow the powers of hell, when will the church begin to realize we're not here just trying to bide our time? until we get an open call from the heavenlies and taking us home we are here to make the devil upset we are here to run the devil out of town we are here to let principalities know you're not going to come up in here and act like we don't care you're not going to come up in here my family you're not going to jack with my family without me putting a word back on you you're not going to do that to my children you're not going to have that over my grandchildren how you got to see yourself in the light of God well, you can't miss your moment. Let me hurry because we got to go. A seed can only reproduce after its own kind. That's, when, that's why when God wanted our life to be sourced out of him, he put his seed in us. That which is a dog, it reproduces a dog. Some of you are struggling with that. That which is plant reproduces a plant. That's why if you think I'm ever going to just stand up here and, and, and give license to homosexual marriages, you're talking to the wrong preacher. Because it's sin. 
That ain't the way God ordained. And I don't care what your culture says. God didn't ordain it that way. Because two men cannot produce a baby. And I know they're trying to alter a lot of stuff right now. Trying to do a whole lot of genetics. Tampering. I'm going to tell you, at the end of the day, if God wanted man would be with man, he would have made another man. Y'all ain't going to say nothing because this culture's got you quiet. It's the problem with the church. We're too quiet in the church, so we're quiet out there. You ought, to be, you ought to be saying, amen, preacher. You better preach something up in here. You ought to be talking back to me right about now. Because every seed produces after its own kind. So God put a father nature in us. God put his power in us. God put his seed in us. So we produce who the father is. Amen. So when we begin to live out the potential that we have, 1 John 5, 4 says, Whatever is born of God overcomes. Somebody shout overcome. Not be overcome. We overcome. Whatever is born of God overcomes the world. And this is what overcomes the world, even our faith. So you got born again by faith. Right? Now you have to live out this victorious life by faith. And just because I lost some battles don't mean I'm not victorious. I may lose some battles, but my eye is on the war. So the reason why we have to be born again, because you're only as strong as what you come out of. Because what you come out of determines your potential. That means your natural, earthly DNA don't matter. Your environment don't matter. Because when you became born again, because I, I hear it, I hear it a lot. It's not that those things didn't traumatize you growing up. Maybe you were abused. Maybe you were left or just maybe, maybe, maybe you got an abusive relationship. I'm not, I'm, not, I'm not belittling the act of what was perpetrated on you. I'm just saying when you became born again, you don't live there. You don't keep blaming your future on your past. You, you, you can't reach for what God has for you if you keep dwelling where God's pulling you out of. Amen. And, 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 and as the church, what our world needs is a Holy Ghost, fire baptized, walking in the glory of God kind of people that knows, hey, I may have done what you said I did, but I am not who you say I am. <laughs> I've been born of righteous blood. Hallelujah. I got righteous blood flowing inside of me. Amen. Amen. So, so I'm not tied to what I came out of. See, that's, most people stay tied to their past because, well, that, that's where the victim mentality comes in because now we just keep blaming where we came from. Well, that may have happened to you, but once you became born again, that's not your address. Come on, talk to me. That, that, that's, not, listen, that, that's why you got a new family tree. You, you, you got a different way of doing things. You, you have been born of incorruptible seed. Now you have righteous blood flowing through you. Now you have the power of the Holy Spirit moving through you. And the only reason why you stay defeated, the only reason why you stay down, is because you keep entertaining a hurt. You keep entertaining an offense. You keep entertaining some pain that happened to you in your past. And you dwell where God has delivered you from. But God can't take you any further because you're stuck in where he called you out of. Push on somebody and tell them you got to know your moment. 
reason why I'm pushing on this for the last three minutes here we got. Our chapter and verse, Romans 13, 11 says, knowing the time. We got to know the time that we're in. And it's time to be awakened because salvation is nearer to us than when we first believed. Somebody shout time. That word time is the word kairos or kairos, however you want to say it. It literally means the appointed time and the purposes of God. It's a time when God begins to act. Kairos is a strategic, opportune time. Kairos is a right time moment. It's a now time. If a working definition would look like this, Kairos is a passing instant when an opportunity appears which must be driven through with force if success is going to be achieved. You are sitting in a Kairos moment right here in this sacred assembly. You're sitting right here in a moment of opportunity, a strategic moment in your life. That must be forced into. It must be driven by force if success is going to be achieved. Jesus said in Matthew eleven twelve, 12, for the kingdom of heaven suffers violence, but the violent take it by force. The, the, the NIV version says the kingdom of heaven is forcefully advancing and forceful people lay hold to it. Are there any forceful people in the house today? Are there anybody that's ready to seize your moment? Seize the moment that God has for you and come out from the shadows of worldliness where the salvation of God can come to your house. In our text, Jesus said, Zacchaeus, I'm coming to your house. The Bible says he was passing through Jericho to the point that he's moving. You got to understand the Spirit of God is moving. Just like in the next few minutes, He's moving in this place. He's moving. And, and Jesus sees Zacchaeus running ahead of him and moving up into a sycamore tree. He's moving, and so is Zacchaeus. You got to be moving when He's moving. You can't be asleep to what God is doing in our day. You got to be awakened to the time. It's a Kairos moment. He's not not coming to stay. He's moving through. He's moving. I'm trying to say God's moving. He's trying to move in our nation. But somebody's got to catch him. Somebody's got to discern it. Somebody's got to know he's there. Somebody's got to begin to get to the place where you can tap into another version of who he is. Because he's moving. And he looks up at Zacchaeus and he says, Today, salvation is coming to your house. I'm moving. I'm moving. And I'm going to say this over your life today. The Spirit of God is moving, and you have to begin to release your faith to move with Him. My faith is not static. It's dynamic. My faith is not stale. My faith is moving. My my faith is charging forward. So God is moving, even under the sound of my breath. Right now, God is moving something in your life. And you can sit there, and you you can be like Zacchaeus, could have been, and you could miss the movement of God in his life because that well, ain't no use. Who cares? I'm just an old tax collector. But Jesus cares about where you're at. And there are no guarantees for success. There's only a context. It's only a context. 
And you have to release your faith in the context of the moment. The success only comes when you step into the context. Jesus was passing through Jericho. He had no intentions to stop. There's nothing in Scripture that says he, can't, he planned to go to Jericho and stay. He was moving through Jericho. But Zacchaeus had a need in his life that needed to be filled. Zacchaeus had a void in his life. And watch this. Watch this. And it wasn't because he was hungry. Because the Bible says he was a rich man. It wasn't because he didn't have the very best in town. Because the Bible says he was a rich man. It wasn't because Zacchaeus was in need of material things. Because the Bible says he was a tax collector. And if you know anything about tax collectors in those days, every one of them were crooked. Pretty much like our IRN. <laughs> I'm just kidding. I'm probably going to get taped on that one. We just got banned again on social media. There we go. But he was a tax collector. And they were extorting people for personal gain. They would make the people pay what they owed to Caesar but then they would extort what they wanted from the people for their personal pockets. Sounds a little like Washington, don't it? Y'all too scared to say amen. I don't care. Yeah, I'm just telling you. I'm just telling you that, that people are profiting off of people's pain for their personal gain. And, and Zacchaeus has all these issues going on in his life. He's a sinner. He's, that's why the crowd got mad when Jesus said, Hey, Zach, I'm coming to your house today. And the crowd began to grumble because they said, He's going to hang out with sinners. And Jesus spins around on them. He says, Hey, this is a son of Abraham. In other words, this could be a covenant brother if you just open up your religious eyes and see what I can do in people's lives. And the reason why I'm coming to Zacchaeus' house is because he's not missing the movement. He's not going to miss me coming through his city. See, the thing about Zacchaeus, he ran ahead of Jesus. He ran ahead of the crowd, and he got up into a sycamore tree. Most people that I know in the church are content to be where Jesus was. Zacchaeus was going to be where Jesus was headed. Woo, come on, talk to me up in here. I want to be where God's headed to. I want to be in the movement of God where he's taking us. I don't, want to be con- I don't want to be content where God was 20 years ago. I don't want to be content where God was five years ago. I want to be current with the movement of God so that a generation can experience the power of God. Tell somebody, don't miss your moment. Don't miss your moment. Come on, Pastor Porter, we'll quit right here. I got to quit. It was a moment that required a response. Let's get our worship team in there so everybody quit figuring out what they're doing. Because y'all can't miss this point right here. We're living in a jacked up society. And this is what I'm feeling right here because I've been wrestling and talking to the Lord about church and because we deal with many other churches in our network. If our churches remain settled, if our churches stay quiet and just keep sitting there, then it becomes the indication that we don't recognize the potential of what we can be like in the realm of the spirit. Because my bodily action is an outward expression of an internal desire. Amen. Just like right now. Your lack of amens is like 
a, 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 a eternal desire. Like, it's 12 o'clock, preacher. Get off the platform. I know. I feel it. But Jesus is trying to move the church to a place where we're not content to have what we had. Zacchaeus was not content. He could have said, you know what? I'm just a little old short guy. All these crowds around Jesus, I'm not ever going to get to him. I, I might as well give up. You know, that, that's, that's the attitude of many people. Like, you know, I can't ever do what they're doing. I can't ever be like that. You know, I'm never going to be what God called me to be because, you know, I'm just living in that, that misery of my own failures, my own thoughts. But Zacchaeus said, no, you know what? I know I'm little, so I'm going to fix that. I'm going to find me a tree. And I'm going to climb a tree. And it's really not about him noticing me as much as I want to notice him. It's not that he acknowledges me, but I at least want to acknowledge him. If he acknowledges me, that's a win. But if I acknowledge him, that's the indication that my heart is changing. I'm moving to a place where I've never been because all I have ever known was being a tax collector. I have raided and robbed God's people. And I have put unnecessary abuse on God's people. And the people of God have rightfully called me an unrighteous sinner. They have labeled me right. But at the end of the day, I'm not just trying to get something from him. I want to get something to him. I want to get my life to him because I understand it. If I can get to him, whatever is vacant, whatever is void, whatever is depleted in my life, he'll begin to fill it. He'll take care of my needs. He'll begin to meet me at the point of my need. And I'm going to look crazy. Here's where we go right here. Zacchaeus, watch this now. He was a wealthy man. The whole city knew him. And they knew him by name. Can you imagine somebody of his status, somebody of his reputation, climbing up a tree? How stupid does that look? Here he is, hanging on some branches. A man of stature. A man of titles and position and prestige and it, you shouldn't be up in a tree. You, 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 you don't belong up there. You, 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 got, you got too much of worldly accolades for us to see you up in a tree. But when you get desperate, y'all not going to talk to me now. When you get hungry for the things of God, you don't worry about your titles. You don't worry about what other people think about you. When you are desperate for God to do something in your life, you'll spring out on a tree branch and you'll sway in the wind because all I want him to do is come by where I'm at. All I want to do is notice him. All I want to do is see the living son of an almighty God. Come on, if you believe that, just get up on your hands. Get up on your feet and raise your hands. Come on, I dare you to praise him like you're going after him. Come on, I dare you to praise him like you're going after him. Come on, are you too good to praise him? Are you too cute to praise him? Do you have too much money to praise him? Do all your needs being met keep you from praising him? I'd praise him like I had nobody else's agenda on my life. I'd praise him like I didn't care who 